Ringer Films is premiering its first of six films in our music box series, Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage, on Friday, July 23rd on HBO. Woodstock 99 tells the story of the infamous music festival promoting unity and counterculture, but devolved into chaos and collapsed under the weight of its own ambition. Watch or stream Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage on HBO or HBO Max now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz and I'm joined today by Danny Kelly and Craig Korolbeck. Quick reminder, we have our rankings up at fantasyfootball.thereer.com. It is our draft guide for the season. We have literally hundreds of player profiles up there. Upsides, downsides, bottom lines, everything. Please check it out at fantasyfootball.thereer.com. Today, we are doing deep sleepers. And I'm very curious. Deep. deep Our definition of deep sleepers. It's kind of like Inception. (laughs) There's levels to it, right, Craig? Absolutely. It's are you within one dream? Are you within a dream within a dream? Or are you Leo at the end where you don't even know if you're in a dream or not in real life? Or it's like it, it's and some sleepers it's like limbo where this isn't gonna work out well, but you know what? It's kind of fun to just be there. I don't know. Yeah, you become that old guy at the end of Inception who's just an old man filled with regret. Maybe that'll be us. What are we talking Maybe. about? <laughs> Inception, the movie. You know No, what? I know, but how does that what does that have to do with sleepers? Because uh, you're sleeping. Inception. The whole movie's about sleeping, DK. Different levels of sleep? Okay. No, yeah, it's, that was... The dreams, different... It, you, if you get into deeper dream sleep... dream levels. Well, you okay. have to put them in deeper sedation in order to go deeper within their dreams. I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen Inception for a long time, so I don't really know what you're talking about. But um, I'm sure it's a very good uh, reference. The guy from Peaky Blinders, they knocked him out, went into his dreams, made his dad love him again. That's the movie. <laughs> Okay. That actually is that's not a bad uh, summation. Fair enough. The whole point is we're trying to plant ideas in people's minds today. That's really what we're going for. And we're going to make <laughs> you think of your idea. We're getting, exactly. people. We're incepting your asses right now. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just freaking get into it. DK, we're going to incept you first. Oh, Give cool. us a deep sleeper for this year and then also we don't know who each other picked i actually have no idea who you're yeah these are all going to be surprises um i'm going to start out with and and again this is maybe my least deep of a sleeper but rondale moore from the cardinals Mm, rookie receiver i had rondale moore (laughs) okay well we both like this guy right now According to expert consensus rankings, he is the wide receiver's 74 and a half PPR, 191st overall. We've got him ranked quite a bit higher. We've got him ranked 140, hmm. and I had him ranked like 25 spots higher than both of you fools. So I figured this was a good one. Basically, let's let's start out with just the Cardinals offense. 156 targets vacated from the Cardinals offense from last year. And the, the competition, I'd say, that Rondell Moore is facing in this offense is 
pretty light, especially or relative for a rookie receiver. So he's got AJ Green, who we saw just how bad he was last year. I think AJ Green's going to be playing on the outside as well. Um, Christian Kirk, who has been sort of very up and down throughout his whole career. He's flashed at times, but just hasn't put it all together. Andy Isabella, he might not even make the team. Altogether, the point is he has, like I think Rondell Moore, second-round pick, has a very strong chance of starting early on in the slot for them. Um, He is a guy I really like coming into the into this draft. He was my 40th overall ranked ranked player. Um, very, very explosive. He's like basically Saquon Barkley explosiveness. Uh, like why? Like he he's uh you know tested out of the out of the gym like 40 something inch vert, sub four four forty, like extremely, extremely explosive. Maybe the best athlete pound for pound in the draft. Do you think he can do that thing where you stand inside the pool and then you jump and you land outside the pool? I mean, he's five eight, but otherwise probably seven. yes. He's five seven, I think. So no, so, okay, I'm gonna write that down. But he has ninety six percentile bursts, and that's <laughs> yeah. not like among players; that's among wide receivers. His agility scores, the burst scores, are ninety six percentile athlete. But mm-hmm. he was also productive. Like he had eight. Sorry, he had thirteen hundred yards. It's a true freshman in the Big Ten. Like he was eighteen yeah. years old. Like that yeah. doesn't happen. And tr- traditionally, like the younger you are when you're that dominant in college, like the better odds you have of NFL success. So like. I mean, that kind of athlete, that kind of production, and in the Cardinals, where, first of all, even if he can't beat A.J. Green and them on the depth chart, the Cardinals run so many four-receiver sets he's going to yeah. play. But he probably will beat those guys in the depth charts. So I I, I really agree with you, DK, because it's it's if you believe at all in Cliff Kingsbury or Kyler, really Kyler, being a better passer this year, well, who the hell do they have after DeAndre Hopkins? Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore could be the number two receiver in this offense. And so it's a, a high upside player who's produced who has a huge opportunity. So I was reading up on the Cardinals offense yesterday and a few things really stuck out to me. And I was reading the football outsiders Al- almanac, which is a great resource, by the way. Um, the Cardinals ranked second in the NFL behind only the Packers last year in screen passes per the FOA, um, which is perfect for a guy like Moore, who 40% of his college ca- catches around there um, came behind the line of scrimmage. He is a yak machine. Get the ball to him. Let him turn into a running back in space. He's explosive. He's quick. He's shifty. All that stuff. Um, for the Cardinals also, the quick and short passing game was a huge part of their offense. For a, a team like the Air Raid, it's a little bit of a misnomer because you picture just like vertical passing all day long. But they did a lot of horizontal passing, short passing, get the ball out quickly. I think he's got a chance to not only dominate and, and sort of be like... I don't know, you know, version of Debo Samuel where you're getting him the ball quickly, you're manufacturing him touches, um, just getting him the ball and letting him do stuff. I think he has a good chance to to be like the guy for them in that part of the game. But also he, you know, he did go deep in college. He did like, he has a, he runs like a, a, a mean slot fade. So like he'll start out in the slot and then just like um, fade it out towards the corner. And he's really dangerous in that way. Again, top end speed and, like you said, Heifetz, if if we can predict and, and project this Cardinals offense to take a jump in some efficiency, um, possibly even scoring this year, you know, maybe Kyler has a big third-year jump under Cliff Kingsbury. Like, just the opportunity that he's walking into could be massive. The Cardinals, prior to Kyler, Hur- prior to Kyler Murray getting hurt last year, and I think it was week 11 or so, so from week one through week 11, Cardinals were scoring 28 points a game and averaging 414 yards per game. So... This is a high-octane offense in theory. I think that it could be a lot better than it even has been. Um, they run a lot of plays. They go really fast, high tempo. 
all that stuff. And I think more is just the guy that they envision, you know, sort of complementing everything that DeAndre Hopkins does, taking some pressure off of Hopkins, you know, getting him the ball, just letting him do his thing. So I'm really excited about what he can do. And, you know, we've got him ranked way higher than the consensus. And I'm almost feeling like maybe we should have him a little bit higher based on just like looking into it yesterday. He's the exact kind of guy you want in the last spot in your bench. He's extremely athletic. Yep. He's produced in college and he might have a huge opportunity to like rise in like a weird receiving core. So I think that's exactly the kind of upside you want late. He's not having as much hype as some of these other guys because he has been injured more or less for the past two seasons for a lot for a large part of the past two seasons. Um, so that I think is definitely stifling his hype and, and is it is a concern. Um, but yeah, like I've like I've mentioned, he was just an All-American as a freshman, like 18-year-old freshman. This guy's talented. Yeah, I, I mean, I think your comp from, wasn't it Nate Robinson? It's five yeah. that he can freaking dunk yeah. when he was sophomore in high school. It's pretty unbelievable. So he can't outbox Jake Paul is what you're saying. <laughs> Damn it. Don't even, how dare you. Okay, we love Rondell Moore for, from the Cardinals. Craig, who's a deep sleeper for you? Yeah, Ro- that's a good one, guys. I, I that Rondell Moore well, Wait, solid. what level of inception is Rondell Moore as a sleeper? I think that considering... He's so. Is that like a dream within a dream, or is he a dream within a dream within a dream? No, he's just dream within a dream. They're not at that like snow compound. That's not how deep this yeah. one was, but it's the <laughs> one before that. I think you're. Yeah, in the hotel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. By the way, there and is it a. Starts raining. There's a thing on YouTube that it's like ten straight hours of the Inception horn. Craig, maybe you can drop in like a little clip of the Inception horn so people know what I'm talking about. But if you want ten straight hours of this. Just Google it on YouTube. Hopefully uh, Hans Zimmer doesn't sue me. Okay, so (laughs) next up, I'm doing Darnell Mooney on the Bears, wide receiver. Ooh, I like this. Mooney was a rookie last year. He was drafted in the fifth round, like nothing special, but he kind of almost immediately became the number two guy in Chicago. He played 73% of their snaps. I mean, Trubisky and Foles were terrible, so it's kind of hard to really know how good Mooney was. He got open a lot. You know, I, you know. listen, I'm not going back and watching the All-22s, but the tape junkies tell me that he got open a lot <laughs> and was not given the ball. I mean, he still had 60 yards. I mean, 60 catches last year, over 600 yards. He had four touchdowns. Uh, and the only other guy last year that was really competing with him specifically, other than Allen Robinson, was Anthony Miller, who the Bears just traded to the Texans. And other than that, mm-hmm. they have Marquise Goodwin and Demir Bird and Cole Komet. I know Tariq Cohen. I mean, there's not a ton of exciting options other than uh, Darnell Mooney. And pretty strong rookie season. He was consistent. He was one of only two rookie wide receivers to have at least two catches in every game he played. Justin Jefferson was the other guy. And Mooney's a big downfield guy. Like, I know that uh, Andy Dalton's not exactly tearing the cover off the ball and launching it downfield, but I almost can see Mooney kind of acting, kind of having two different seasons. You know, if when it's Andy Dalton, I can see him just being your typical, you know, underneath guy. Quick, short routes, you know, doing what Andy Dalton can do. And then if Fields comes in, Fields is a great deep ball thrower and could really, mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of explode with Darnell Mooney. He's going, we have him ranked 131st in our rankings. I think he's a, I think he's a great upside pick. The Bears apparently love this guy. Everything that I've been hearing and, and reading about Darnell Mooney is the Bears think this guy is like a future star. Um, he's another, he's one of those players I think that his hype has been stifled too by the fact that he was a small school guy. I believe he went to Tulane and um, like a mid-round pick and he's really small. Like this is the Devontae Smith conversation all over again. He's like 170 something pounds. So I think there's still people that are a little bit, you know, 
I don't know, just doubting his, his overall upside and his overall potential, even though he did show a lot as a rookie. Um, so I think he's a guy, he's the type of guy who could really just um, like solidify himself as a future star this year. He's 5'11", 174 pounds. So that that's that's definitely sort of a concern. I think it's holding like maybe it's just painting the narrative that he's just a one trick pony deep threat guy. And and Craig, to your point. He was the, he was wide open downfield so many times, and and uh, Trubisky just flat out missed him. It yep. was insanely frustrating. Um, but he was also used around the line of scrimmage a lot on like basically everything I was just saying with Rondell Moore. Like they used him as that guy that can you know just get him the ball quickly and let him do work. Um, a really quick, really shifty kind of guy. So um, I like his potential a lot. I think the quarterback point's really important. I mean, Trubisky and Foles were pretty freaking bad. And even Andy Dalton's an upgrade from them, in my opinion. So it's like, it, that's a good way to find someone who, as you said, the hype's been stifled. Just better quarterbacking. It's, it's, it's Sometimes it's not rocket science. I like that a lot. I think, uh, what, what level what level dream, what level level sleeper is that? Well, we've got him ranked a little higher than Rondale. So I think it's a level one. We have him nine spots higher than Rondale. Is that right? Not, not, yeah, I said a little. I said a little. Okay. I'm fine. Level one. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Listen. Okay. That's fine. I can tell you're over it. All right, well, DK sniped me on Rondell Moore, so I guess I got to go someone else. Um, uh, <laughs> unhappy This with brings your me no pick? joy, and I'm just going to get out of the way because I don't want to be a, I feel like I'm a broken record talking about Saquon, but I'm just going to throw out Devontae Booker for the Giants, and I hope this is the pin in the Saquon conversation for a few weeks. But basically, look, we don't know if Saquon's going to play in week one. It's a downer, but it's true. And if he doesn't, then Devontae Booker is probably going to be the starting running back for the New York Giants. If Saquon's not ready in week one, you can get a starting running back like pretty late in drafts. And if Saquon is ready, Devontae might be a rotational guy early on. This is kind of like the opposite of a normal handcuff situation. Usually it's like you draft Tony Pollard from the Cowboys and you're like, well, if Ezekiel Elliott gets hurt, Tony Pollard will be a top 10 guy. This is the opposite because you'll just know early on if Devontae Booker's like going to play, like even Saquon's ready or he's not. So there's not that whole like, do I hold on to him indefinitely or like, you know what I mean? Like none of that. It's You just might have a guy that you could play in the first two or three weeks of the season. And then if Saquon comes back, you can get rid of him. So, it's you know, it, it's not like some cool thing where Devontae Booker will be this top running back for you all season. You just might have a really flex option in the first few weeks of the season. Basically, he's going undrafted. Now, obviously, that'll probably change as Saquon's status goes. But you know what? And also, obviously, it sucks to think about. But you also probably want some insurance if Saquon has some stuff that lingers throughout the season. But you know, keep an eye on Saquon, keep an eye on Booker and see how this develops. But like, it's kind of nice to have the handcuff situation without having to hold on to someone for the whole season. Yeah. He's like a waiver wire ad that you make before the season starts. Exactly. It's like, how often do you just cut the last guy you draft on your bench anyway for a waiver ad? Devontae Booker is the waiver is the number one waiver ad you'd want in week one anyway. I'm just having a hard time remembering. I'm having a hard time remembering any any specific play that he's made in the NFL. I know that he's like been around and he's like a veteran. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think Hyvitz is saying that he's like exceptional no, by any I'm not, means. No, I'm not. Well, this I'm is not, not. That brought me no joy to give. I'm not give, saying. Yeah, I'm not saying that your point is wrong, Hyvitz. I'm just like, I, I think it's this is something that people run in, that we run into every year. It's like I was not excited about Wayne Gallman last year, but he was fine. He was good. You know, um, he came in and was a valuable fantasy piece. But before the year, I'm like Wayne Gallman, like. I have no memories of Wayne Gallman. <laughs> like I don't remember a run yeah. by Wayne Gallman Tough before name. last year. Um, Wait, I'm gonna, can I throw out one more handcuff? Yeah. The other, so the handcuffs 
kind of end up being drafted a little higher. There's Tony Pollard for the Cowboys. There's Alexander Madison for the Vikings. Those are like the top handcuffs. Latavius Murray for uh, the Saints with Alvin Kamara. There's one that's just not getting talked about. It's Darrington Evans for the Titans. Ooh, I love this He's one. probably the number two for the Tennessee. And it's not that you have to handcuff Derrick Henry, but if there's a Mike Davis for this season, last year, Christian McCaffrey got hurt. He's the unanimous number one pick. No one drafted Mike Davis. Not everyone, like, like some people, I think even including me, thought Reggie Bonifon might be the guy instead of Mike Davis. Mike Davis gets the job and is like a top running back for all the weeks McCaffrey's out. If Der- anything happens to Derrick Henry, Darrington Evans is the guy. He's not even in the handcuff tier. He's like 30 spots after all these other handcuffs, but he's just as good, might be even more valuable. So I'm just throwing it out there. If you're willing to take Tony Pollard with like the 120th pick, you should be willing to take Darrington Evans at any point in your draft. I just want to throw that out there. I think he's good too. Like he was a good college runner. He's explosive. uh, One cut, just lightning down the field. He tested really well. He was productive his final season there at Appalachian State, or I think that's where he went. He was a he was a small school guy um, and a third rounder, I believe. But he was pretty exciting to watch. So obviously he's stuck behind Henry. But I think there's already talk that they want to use him more. You know, we'll see if that actually happens. That seems to be the talk every offseason, like a guy's behind Henry. But um, but yeah, it's gonna be very interesting to see if that happens. That's a smart pick, too, because like somebody like Alexander Madison, like uh, how how much higher is Alexander Madison than Darrington Evans on like a typical fantasy pros consensus ranking? So I'm looking at best ball ADP right now, which is a better than ADP, regular ADP at this point. And like Madison's going 139 mm-hmm. and Darrington Evans is going all the way at 200 on the dot. Okay, perfect. So like <laughs> yeah. undrafted. 60, 70 spots later and you're getting the same value out of both players, but... When you take Alexander Madison, then you can't take somebody like Darnell Mooney, who would have gone in that range. So it's like exactly you get the same value by taking Darrington Evans. He would he's going to provide you the same amount of you'd think like scoring if Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook goes down. So might as well just take the latest good handcuff you can get. He's still in maybe that tier one of handcuffs. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, all these are darts, and you just want to throw seven of them, and you hope you hit two or three, and that's how you can win a freaking title. So. And take the later darts if you can get like you know other good players exactly. early on. All right, DK, another deep sleeper for us. Do I, so wait, do I get a do I get a snow level for that one? Is he is, is Darrington Evans a, like is he the snow fort? I'm gonna say no because it's not exactly revolutionary to suggest that you should just take the backup <laughs> to like a stud running back. <laughs> so Derek I'm gonna go with no. no it's, but he's going 200th. Oh, fine, whatever. But do you know what I mean? It's like oh, just the guy behind. He might be onto something here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you telling us our handcuffing. Just, just look at us like we just stole his puppy or something. It's a good. I just wanted good, the snow sniper. It's a good pick. Oh, all right. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house, everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The guy that I'm going to talk about next, I went into this 
process, like being like, oh yeah, this could make some sense. And now I'm like a hundred percent all in on this because I did the research and I'm like, holy shit. I did my own research, guys. And I found that's rare these days. <laughs> Cole Beasley's been in on that grind too. So it's more than just sitting on my toilet and and scrolling through Twitter. Uh Giovanni Bernard from the Buccaneers. Oh my God. Might be wow. the most we were on under, the same wavelength. He might be the most underrated pick right now in fantasy football. So Let's just start off with, you know, quads. I don't know if if any of you guys have seen the pictures of uh, Giovanni Bernard's quads mm. from his off season. He's 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 got some big quads. So Dude, quad I feel game like Saquon set off this whole quad thing. I got news for you. They're fucking professional running backs. All of them have impressive quads. Like all of them. Yeah. They're not like your quads. They're very yeah. They're impressive quads. Um. So that's always a plus. Bernard quietly since 2013 is third in the NFL in receipt and receptions at the running back position behind only Le'Veon Bell and James White. I didn't realize that. So he's he's a very accomplished pass catching back. Obviously, some of that has to do with tenure and all that, but still, he's got the experience. Uh, the Buccaneers, one of the past heaviest teams in football last year, according to the Football Outsiders Almanac, they were 29th in rush attempts. Well, that's a pretty easy stat. They're 29th in rush attempts. Um, I, I was noticing this while reading the Football Outsiders Almanac. Um, per Tom Pelissero, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians both personally recruited Bernard. They both wanted him. It was important to them. And I think particularly Brady, this is very, very, very crucial piece of information. Brady went out and was recruiting this dude. And there's a very strong reason for this. The pass-catching group on the, Buccaneer, on the Buccaneers last year was just freaking awful. Like, they had yeah. number one, the worst drop rate in the NFL, fourteen point four percent. That was by far the worst at the running back position. Sorry, yes. I was going to say Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are pretty good. Yes, they're, the receivers are very good. The running backs sucked in the passing game a lot. Uh, they had they had seventeen passes, which was by far the worst in the NFL, and fourteen point four percent drop rate, which was the worst. So, um, and why is this important? Since twenty eighteen. Tom Brady is ranked first, second, and third in targets to running backs. He loves checking it down. He loves using his running backs in the passing game. Um, Going back, and this is not an apples-to-apples comparison, obviously, because it was a different team, different players, but Tom Brady and James White, that relationship. 2016 through 2019, that was four seasons. James White averaged 99 targets, 72 72 catches, 623 yards, and five touchdowns per 16 games in that stretch. And that was in the famously muddled, annoying, you never know what you're going to get from the the, from the Packer or sorry, from the Patriots backfield. It's the same deal in Tampa Bay. Like we're annoyed. We don't know what we're going to get from the Tampa Bay backfield. James White did that. 99 target average over five seasons. Sorry, over four seasons. Um and now he never finished as he did finish 2018 as seventh in PPR um, at the running back position. He was 18th, 38th, and 26th otherwise. So like basically an RB3 slash flex option. But right now you can get Geo like really late in drafts. We got him as the RB50. Um, and I think like people just are kind of forgetting about him and, and maybe they're just turned off by the ba- the Buccaneers backfield, which I think is fair. But it's the same deal we've had with the Patriots backfields for years where you just don't know who's going to be the main guy. It's pretty clear to me. It seems like he's going to be the pass catching back, you know? And so I think 
there's some real hidden value there. And I got really excited doing all this research because I was I hadn't really considered it, honestly, that strongly before um, going through and making this doc. So um, I'm all over Giovanni Bernard this year. I think it's going to be, I think he's going to do that James White role and he's going to be really good in it. Let's just start calling him James White. Florida James White. How old do you think? <laughs> I think no, no I one's, think he's just not a sexy pick. He's been around for a while. He's not a yeah. big play guy. He's not going to score a million touchdowns. He's just like a, a smart pick. And I think it's boring. That's the only reason why people are off of him. It's boring, but I think you're dead on, DK. Because, I mean, there are so many. I feel like, like, like Tom Brady literally brought Gronk from New England. Like, he wanted to bring a lot of the good aspects of what New England did. But they didn't have that role. And I think they maybe envisioned Keyshawn Vaughn, that rookie they drafted running back yeah. last year, yep. to take that role. He was not ready. He came from Vanderbilt. And, like, he, he's a special teams guy. I don't even know 100% if he makes the team. But, like, he'll be a special teams guy this year. And they never filled that pass catch running back role last year. Ronald Jones is not the most natural pass catcher. Leonard Fournette came in midseason. He's solid at it, but like he's not that kind of third down James White guy. And James White, by points per game, was like a top 12 running back two years ago. The last year Brady was in New England, like top 12. It, it's such a no brainer. Gio Bernard has such that kind of skill set, except honestly, probably a little bit of a probably a better runner than James White is. So he's yeah, not quite a little as much more explosive. Yeah. And I think I love this pick. We are on the same wavelength today. I think this is, is this fantastic. another one of yours. Like, it was. And like the other key thing is that if you just like zoom out, there's been a lot of research that suggests like like people have crunched the number as crunched the tape, but like the math and they're like, if you want to take a flyer on a late round running back, the best kind of running back that pops is the pass catchers. The pass catchers, mm. like once you get out, you know, into the wilderness past like 130 guys are off the board and you're looking for a running back, the pass catchers are the best bets. They're just the ones most liable to go off. And like Gio Bernard checks that statistically, like that's the kind of profile you're looking for for a sleeper. But also Tom Brady recruited this guy to play on third downs and, you know, through James White's 70 passes or 70 throws like three years ago, or sorry, 100 throws to 70 catches. That's yeah. like all the things you want in a sleeper. I love that. He averaged, James White averaged 99 targets a year. I'm like, I, I don't know how that, like, I don't know how Bernard has sort of flown under the radar for me so far, but I'm I'm like so excited about it now. <laughs> I'm going to grab him in the late rounds in every draft, I think. I think we were big on White too a few years ago. Yeah. And also, I do want to shout out James White. Is like James White himself is also a solid one. I don't think he quite is Bernard's upside, but mm. James White also like just kind of underrated. And I know that again, Tom Brady's not there, so it's not really fair to say you know he had he was top twelve in points per game two years ago. But he was. And if Mac Jones takes over this job, I think James White's going to be his best friend. So Ooh, I, James yeah. White is also not the worst guy to kind of have uh, you know as, as one of your later picks, and he's also just kind of disappeared from the fantasy radar once Tom Brady left. How deep is this uh, Gio Bernard pick? It's pretty deep. Are we in the snow? I'll give compound? it a level three. He's DK's hyping up the third running back on a depth chart for the Super Bowl. Like I'm kind of down with that. He is ranked 150th on our board in half PPR. So I mean that's pretty solid. It, it's maybe not your last round, but it's getting towards the end of the draft for sure. I'll give you no. I'll give you level three because I don't think anyone's thinking about. Oh yeah, Gio Bernard, really excited. But he is like he's. Actually, that's how like, I was. That's how I was before today. Like honestly, I was just like, yeah, I get it. That's fine. But just like digging into the numbers, I'm like, man, he's got a really he's got a pretty good chance here of being pretty like important in fantasy. He does. I love that. All right, Craig, another deep sleeper. Speaking of quarterbacks recruiting players to their team, Randall Cobb. 
<laughs> oh my God, I love this. Randall Cobb's on the Packers now, everybody. He's 30 years old. I think I thought he was maybe 33, but he's 30. <laughs> uh, he's one season removed from putting up over 800 yards on Dallas. He was on Houston last year. Didn't work out. Oh my God, I forgot he was on the Pack. Or I thought he was. On, I forgot he was on the Cowboys. Man. Yeah, Randall Cobb's made a lot of money since leaving Green Bay. Yeah, yeah. Gallup and Amari Cooper had over a thousand yards that year, and Cobb still had over eight hundred. But I don't think it, it, it's um, a small deal that this is the one guy that they brought back for Aaron Rodgers. Like I almost think out of spite, Aaron Rodgers is going to be like, I'm going to throw to Randall Cobb a lot just to show you guys Wait, that small deal. He literally wasn't even going to come back until they did the Co Randall Cobb trade. He was that was the last thing to, for him to return. Like I almost think he's going to be like. I'll show you that what I believe is correct by how much I throw to this person. Like he's going to give Randall Cobb a thousand yards just to show like, look front off, look good to You should listen to me because I know what I'm talking about. But if you look at Cobb's best years in green Bay, I mean, it's when there's the least competition, which isn't exactly mind blowing, but like his worst years were when Jordy and Devonte were in their prime or when Jimmy Graham was there and his best years were when it was just him and Jordy. And it's just him and Devonte now. Like there's really nobody else. Like, I guess, I don't know how you guys feel about, Lazard and Tanyan, but like I really could see. I'm a more scenario. worried about Amari Rogers, but that's yeah. But the they're rookie. playing the same role as Cobb, right. and they might just bring him along slowly. I agree, but Rogers' own words in his press, this wild press conference, which we have not talked about, but he in Rogers' own words, words, he said he wanted Cobb as a true slot receiver, which he felt they did not have last year. So he's ranked 241 on Fantasy Pros. Like he, I. There is a, absolutely a world in which he's like a really strong flex option and just gets like four or five catches a week. At the end of the day, chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, th to the point that Rodgers was like, I might not come back to the Packers unless you trade for Randall Cobb. I mean, what else could you ask for? This is just another extension of spite season. <laughs> By association. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, top five quarterback. All right, DK. How deep is Cobb? How deep is Cobb? What level? Uh... It was level three, and then Aaron Rodgers did a press conference where he like was like, yeah, no, I wanted Cobb back. So I don't know. I can't give you level three for that. That's kind I mean, of I kind of feel like it is, though, because it's even on our rankings right now. No. Yeah, but <laughs> this was we before Randall Cobb. Oh, we got to update it, but how we high? We got to update the post Randall Cobb was part of the demands for Rodgers to come back. I guess, but I think this is a deep cut. I'm not giving Craig the level three <laughs> for when Aaron Rodgers, like, I'll give him the level two. Well, why right. didn't you write him down then? I did have him written down. You, I, well, I'm actually very impressed. We all, I'm actually very happy. Like for a deep sleeper exercise, we're actually all on the same page. This is pretty good. <laughs> uh, Swiss cheese. We all got holes. We're stacking up. It's like we're all on the same page. Who's up? Heifetz or DK? I think I'm up. All right. This is, I'm going to tell you in advance. This is level one. This is not Randall Cobb, but a guy that I just like, Miko Hardman, man, for the Chiefs. I feel like he's the back on the train. Type sleeper. I'm mm -hmm. back on the train. Even last year, there was, there were beat writers saying like he's probably a next year guy. And it's true. Like the, it, this is not rocket science. Sammy Watkins left the Chiefs. Michael Hardman's really freaking fast. He has a huge opportunity to just be the clear third option in this passing offense. And if he has developed as a better route runner and just more consistent and someone Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid can trust to be on the field, you're on the field for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's not been able to do as much, but all the beat writers for Kansas City just kind of keep repeating via really the coaches. This is a huge training camp for Michael Hardman. I'm not beating the drum quite yet. I want to see how it goes for him. But if there are still positive vibes around Michael Hardman, like two or three weeks from now, mid-August, you know, this is a guy who's going 120, 130 in drafts. Like you can get him from pretty cheap. You know, I, I want the really fast guys from Mahomes that also might be able to do a lot of different stuff for them on the field. Like I just, those are the guys you want. Hardman's, yeah, Hardman, Hardman is the classic 
post-type sleeper. It, it is like, I feel a little bit snake bit by him. Just like, I was pretty excited about what he could do last year. That did not work out. Um, and I guess the question I have in my head is, yeah, he's going to be, uh, you know, the number three in a high-octane, high-scoring offense, but they feed so much of their offense through Kelsey and Hill, and then also Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'm like just wondering how valuable he's going to be. I I agree with everything you said, um, and I think that he could make a jump from a talent point of view. Um, but I'm just like still kind of curious. Like, is this going to be worthwhile in in redraft leagues where you're not playing like best ball or whatever? Like, how valuable? is I he get be? that, but like Michael Gallup is the third option in Dallas, and they all that's not including Ezekiel Elliott, and like that's a guy that's probably going 30 spots higher than Michael Hardman. A little more. So Gallup, not Gallup, is, also, Gallup has a thousand year or a, a thousand yard season yeah, on his he's resume. He's better, to be clear. Here's <laughs> the thing: Miko Hardman ran so a four that. two. What, what what did he run? He ran like a four two seven, something like that. Yeah. So here's the thing: I think it was unreal. Like those, the guys who can do that and also run crisp routes don't go fifty seventh overall. He went fifty seventh because he was a little raw. What I'm saying is, if he's ta- like this is he's entering his third season. If he's able to develop, and all the Chiefs really, the Chiefs are hoping that he develops. They are really thin at receiver. They tried to bring yeah. in Juju Smith Schuster. He went back to Pittsburgh, and they're like, all right, screw it. We're going to roll into the season with Miko. And if he can rise to the challenge, like there's a huge opportunity in this offense for him. Do you think, and just when there's two wide receivers on the field, do you think it's him over like Demarcus Robinson or I guess Byron Pringle? I think the, the like here's probably the, the probably. team wants him to win that role. Like that's basically what I'm saying. The team is hoping that he has developed enough to I feel win. Like that it never job. works out though. You know, when the team like really wants it to be a thing, I feel like it never becomes a thing. It usually just happens naturally. If they want it to become a thing, it's because it's not happening. Right. <laughs> that's fair. But th- th- it's very much a, like let's check in in a few weeks. But if he has this job down, man, like I, what else do you want? I think he's definitely worth a flyer. I think my mentality is with more than the other guys that we've talked about on this pod, I'm sort of a little more doubtful that this is going to happen. But I do think he is worth a flyer for all the reasons you mentioned. Would you rather have Miko Hardman or Darnell Mooney? Mooney. And it's that's in a way worse offense. But I just think his his role is going to be bigger. Would you Hypus, would you rather have Hardman or Elijah Moore? I had Elijah Moore on this list too. I'd rather have Hardman just for the real politique of like you're going to be able to get. I have more also. <laughs> more all, oh, real oh, world. I, I think that realistically, you can probably get Hardman and then wait around and go back and get Elijah Moore. So realistically speaking, sometimes you just got to do it that way. But I like Elijah Moore too. I just part of me is like, do I really? Am I really going to rep Elijah Moore when Zach Wilson is literally yet to report to Jets training camp? He That's did today. He did. Oh, today. he did today. He there took, we go. He took the Beautiful. red eye. Yeah, uh, he signed his deal. Let's just talk about Elijah Moore because he's on my list. Um, I think number one, the reason there's several reasons he's going as low as he's going right now. Every he's, Jet can be on this list. Literally, yeah, all the players on the Jets are good yeah. sleepers. If this offense takes a big jump with uh, Zach Wilson under center, which I think it could, you know, he's shown out. He's been solid in training camp. I think just the videos that you've seen from training camp, he's making nice deep throws down the field. Um, wait, wait, give the introduction first for people who may not know Elijah Moore. Is this is the guy who did the peace celebration in the <laughs> yeah. Ole Miss game, and then literally lost, and then they got the the field goal and then they lost the game because he did the celebration long story short joe judge is the giants uh he's the giants head coach because elijah moore took a piss on the like pretended to take a piss on the field um getting back to him as a player though he's extremely extremely talented and i think he has the chance to be one of the most exciting and productive uh rookie receivers this season he's um i mean he was 
literally the most productive uh, receiver in college football on a per game basis last year. Um, and one of the most productive rookie re- or sorry, college receivers ever based on his per game averages. Um, highly explosive, very dynamic. You can use him as a running back in the backfield. He's got that like, you know, again, it's like the Debo Samuel skill set. It's very similar to what Rondell Moore brings. Um, and again, this is the same offense as the 49ers run, like in theory. Uh, they're going to have him, I guess, and I believe as a big uh, weapon around the line of scrimmage. So screens, sweeps, end arounds, just straight runs from the backfield like we saw with Debo as a rookie. Remember, Debo as a rookie had 81 targets, caught 57 passes for 802 yards, and three touchdowns in 15 games. He was wide receiver 29 um, as a rookie, which was just behind Terry McLaurin. Uh, and so, like, I, the Debo hype has certainly trailed off because he was injured for most of his second season. But um, I think there is a role here where Elijah Moore could be very productive and be a big part of the offense, and he won't even have to be, like, highly refined route running and all that stuff. Like, that stuff's going to come later, and I think he's good at that, too. But um, he has this floor based on the fact that I think he's going to be the Debo Samuel of this offense. Um, And he's more explosive than Debo, by the way. So I'm very excited about what he can do. Um, A lot of it has... uh, There's a lot up in the air because we don't know what Zach Wilson's going to look like. We don't know what this offense overall is going to look like. So there's tons of variables. But I think he's worth... You know, he's worth that bet because... You know, he's, I just think he's an explosive, very talented player. And everything we've heard out of training camp from like basically all the beat reporter, beat reporters is that he's just looked incredible. Like he came in and looked like a veteran. So the problem with the Jets is there's a million different players catching passes. We have Keelan Cole, Jamison Crowder, Corey yeah. Davis, Elijah Moore. Uh, there's like two tight ends. You got Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman. There's a lot going on with just, I feel like this all comes down to Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, I think, is the only QB sleeper that any of us thought about putting down on this list. And can somebody tell me why he's not seen as a higher pick right now? Is it because he's like a white Mormon kid? I don't get it. <laughs> I'm kind of being serious though. Like he right. was like his play style to me is something that would be very enticing to fantasy and to people out there. So why is he's on he's in a, the New York market? He's got a brand new coach. Like, why aren't people into Zach Wilson? I think it's a largely due to the Jets being just a sad, sad sack franchise for so long. Um, and people are guarded against the idea that all of a sudden the Jets are going to do something fun and, and produce something exciting as, you know, as a rookie. We've seen so many quarterbacks come through New York and they've all been bad. But you man. can say the same thing about Chicago or Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> those three cities in a row, New York, Chicago, Jacksonville. It's, pretty, it's been brutal for all of those. Um, I think there's also this idea that, you know, with Trey Lance and Justin Fields, those guys are much bigger built runners in college. I think Zach Wilson is a scrambler in the same way, you know, I always get annoyed when people compare Zach Wilson to Patrick Mahomes, but I think they have some similarities in their ability to kind of like play outside of structure. And as a scrambler, Zach Wilson has some similarities, I think, to Patrick Mahomes. However, that's like a that's not a high, high ceiling as a rusher. You know what I mean? He's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be used in like read option stuff, all that stuff. He might get two to three points a game extra because of his scrambling, which is not nothing. But it's not like, you know, Patrick Mahomes is not a, a great fantasy quarterback because of his legs. He's a great fantasy quarterback because he throws 50 touchdowns. Um, so I think there's that. And but I, honestly, like the most, I think the the biggest deal is it's the Jets. 
I agree. Sometimes you just have to visualize a sleeper in your mind's eye. And then when you visualize that quarterback in a Jets uniform, you it's harder to be like, oh, yeah, this will go great. Like that's that's a bias, but that is straight up how people's brains work. And I think my problem with the Jets is I think all this is in theory. Like it, it's cool that they hired Mike LaFleur. There's this whole basically college bro friends between the LaFleurs and Shanahan and Robert Sala that they're all now running NFL teams. Mike LaFleur is the younger brother yeah, of the Craig, Packers head coach. Matt Craig's, LaFleur next. And, Craig's next. Yep. Yeah, Craig, Craig's next in the lineage. But like <laughs> Mike LaFleur was working for Shanahan. So it's like, oh, well, the Jets will be the Shanahan system. Well, I don't believe I don't believe Mike LaFleur has ever called plays in the NFL. So it's like it's a lot. It's a lot. It's like it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, it'll be a Shanahan system. It's a harder to run said Shanahan system. Like right. that's not easy. It's like especially the running game that is so great and like the play action and all that, like setting up plays. It's like boxing. you got to set up punches and combinations. That's kind of hard to just learn to do. Kyle Shanahan's like one of the reasons he's Kyle Shanahan is not just that he has this otherworldly mind and like can process stuff. It's that he's in the moment processing what he needs to do. He's not there, figuring yeah. out 12 hours later. That's not just a given that you can just do that immediately. So I think part of the problem, it's not just that it's and part of it is probably because he's a white Mormon kid, but obviously it's easier to you know, picture Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Trevor Lawrence being good immediately than is Zach Wilson. And also the Jets kind of suck. But it's also like, is this really going to be in a fit, an offense that keeps the chains moving? Yeah. The, so, Hyphens, first of all, to your point that I, that you're making about play colors, I think that's so crucial. And it's something I forget too, but there is a massive, massive dis- difference between system and plays and play yeah. sequencing and play calling. There's a huge difference. You have to be able to see what the defense is doing and exploit the weaknesses. It's like seeing the matrix. That's why Bill Belichick is so great. That's why Sean McVay is so great. It's because he knows exactly what the defense is doing and Shanahan, and he can design schemes and play sequence, like the sequencing of plays that keeps defenses off balance and not knowing where the fuck you're going with the football at all times. It's not the system necessarily. Everybody's got the same plays. Everybody can see the plays you're running. It's when do you use those plays? So I think that's a very interesting point. And I think that's something we just absolutely do not know um, with Mike LaFleur. And then to your second point, real quick, um, the other thing that we don't know is like literally who are going to be the starters in the Jets offense. It could be like (laughs) a a whole new set of starters, new running back, like three new receivers, potentially if Jamison Crowder doesn't make the starting lineup, Uh, new quarterback, a couple new offensive linemen. It's like, there's just so many variables. Yeah. Yeah. We just don't know. The other, the the point too about play sequencing, I just want to come back to this for a second. This is why I completely whiffed on Derrick Henry two years ago. Because when Arthur Smith was first the coordinator for the Titans and Matt LaFleur left, it seemed improbable the Titans would just be overnight incredible. And then they were. But it's like, (laughs) you know what? If Generally speaking, that doesn't happen. That, oh, Ryan Tannehill steps in and the Titans under their first-year offensive coordinator who's never called plays are just the most efficient team after Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and Andy Reid who's been doing this for 25 years. That just usually doesn't happen. Generally speaking... Sometimes first-year coordinators struggle and wait. And like Sean McVay's talked about this all the time with Craig on Flying Coach about all those little moments you never think about. He's like, man, that was a dumb call right here. Like there are mistakes you make early in your career. That was that pretty like, good. Oh, sometimes it's not like it it's sounded a like McVay. Do do more McVay impressions. I want to hear. Yeah, I want to hear Craig's McVay. No, no, <laughs> I could never. Not his brother. So to clarify here, I'm on an island on Michael Hardman. 
But otherwise, we all well, kind of like. Yeah. I mean, I get uh, yeah. it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> you get it, but you but you didn't have them in your doc. I'm not excited. We, we kept about separate it. from each other. We yeah. all, me and DK, like Rondell more from the Cardinals as a receiver, maybe to be the number two guy in that Cardinals offense. We all like, or we like Gio Bernard mm -hmm. to be like the James White for the Buccaneers at running back, and I'm already forget. Oh, Randall Cobb. For now at the slot receiver for the Packers, probably. Mm -hmm. So we actually have a pretty good amount of overlap here, even though we didn't share, which is probably a good sign. Mm -hmm. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance, run your way. All right, does anyone have anywhere else you want to throw out? Any other steep sleepers? Gabe Davis, Bills. Gabe Dave, wide receiver. Gabe Dave. Gabe Dave. He was actually pretty good his rookie season. I think DQ was like a fourth round pick out of yeah. Central Florida, something like that. I think South UCF. Florida. Yeah, UCF. Uh, really Hold strong. I'll, I'll Google that. <laughs> really strong rookie season. Um, and if you look at the guys on the Bills catching passes, obviously you have Stefan Diggs. You have Cole Beasley, which, you know, he might retire to start his own news network. I have no idea what he's doing. Jesus. Emmanuel Sanders, <laughs> 34 years old, and kind of it. There's no real tight end threat. There's no, like, huge pass-catching running back threat. And, like, Gabe Davis had... Seven touchdowns last year as a rookie. He's the mm -hmm. deep deep ball guy, which I think people thought Diggs was going to be the deep ball guy. It's kind of Gabriel Davis. He was the second highest rated PFF wide receiver on deep balls. And the Bills uh, wide receiver scored more fantasy points than any other group of wide receivers last year. Like, I just think there's immense upside. They don't throw their tight ends at all. No. Yeah. And like, I think there is a world in which Gabriel Davis becomes the number two wide receiver on this team. And it's not that unlikely in my mind. That That's the bet. Can I ask a related question to this? Go ahead, Hyvitz. Well, related question to this is, do you think Stefan Diggs like leads the league in targets again, or are we kind of drafting Stefan Diggs at his absolute ceiling, assuming they'll do it last year? And maybe Stefan Diggs isn't like a top two, top three guy in receiving yards. He's just a, he's like a tier one guy, but not tier one A. And that Gabe Davis has a big, bigger role. Is that possible? Potentially, but I, the only thing with Diggs is that he's like severely underperformed on his touchdowns. So you can maybe, if he gets a, maybe a few less targets, maybe he'll even out on the, uh, on the touchdown department. But I kind of think Stefan Diggs should be tier 1A personally. Yeah. I think he's, you know, the same year. Yeah. I think even if Diggs does lead the NFL in targets, there's still so much meat on the bone elsewhere um, that I think Gabriel Davis is a good flyer. He's a good sleeper. Because right now, I think as people are assuming, and that maybe they'll end up being right, that the three receivers set for the Bills will be Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, and Emmanuel Sanders. That might end up being the three receivers set, and they'll go with it. Um, and we won't really see Gabriel Davis all that uh, all that often. He'll be kind of like the guy who scores random touchdowns here and there. But that happened last year. He had seven touchdowns, six hundred yards. Like it's not, you know. So what I think Craig is saying, and I agree with him, is you have to project he's going to make a big jump in his second year. If he does make that big jump and he becomes the number two in this offense, which I think is in the, it's within the realm of possibility that this happens. Second year jumps are a real thing. And I think Davis showed enough talent last year. His, his target rate wasn't strong and he was very hit or miss, but he showed enough talent in what he was doing to 
make me believe that he's capable of having a second-year jump. And they love him. I think they want him. And I, I've been hearing this since last year. Adam Kaplan from Fantasy Points has been saying it. Like, they envision him turning into their ex-receiver for the long term. That's why they drafted him. Um, and he started doing it a little bit as a rookie. They did sign Emmanuel Sanders, which I think is a concern. He could just end up playing that role and, like, usurping Davis or, like, just pushing Davis, you know, back until year three or whatever. Um but there's also just like this chance that Davis is better than Emmanuel Sanders and they'd rather just go with the homegrown guy because he has more potential down the line. Like, I don't think that's, it's not like a wild thing. I think there's a real chance. And again, the bottom line is you're, you're looking for guys in high octane, explosive, high volume passing offenses with good quarterbacks. And that's exactly what the bills are. So I like this one a lot. I don't think it's maybe the most probable that he'll break out, but I think it's possible. And I think that's why you taking the flyer on a guy like this late in the draft. Yeah. It's a worthy shot in the dark. Yeah. Did you guys see that report about Emmanuel Sanders? Said his jaw was on the floor watching Josh Allen make some throw. He's like, I've been in the league for 12 years and I've never seen a quarterback make a throw like that. Dude, it goes back to the thing we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, how Josh Allen might be like the most physically gifted quarterback of all time. Like it's not. That's true. But also think about it from wild. Emmanuel Sanders perspective. He was with Breeze. Denver Broncos era Peyton Manning. And then last year was with Drew Brees in New Orleans. Ben Roethlisberger. Exactly. Yep. Not bad. I telling you, if, if aliens came down and watched Josh Allen play at his peak, <laughs> they might think yeah. this is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. I feel yeah. like they have so many more questions. Yeah, I think they probably have a lot more questions. Why are you guys playing this game? Why do you call so <laughs> much holding? Why do you call it football? Why do you guys draft running backs before quarterbacks in fantasy? Yeah. Yeah. What is Buffalo Bills vaccination rate? Why isn't it points per first down? There's a lot they of wouldn't be asking that. No one, no, one gives us, no one gives a shit about that. Not even aliens. All right, fuck um, you, Craig. All right, you guys want my rapid list, the lightning round of, of sleepers? Yeah, I got one more. I got at least two more that I want to mention. Real quick. Okay. Do it. Hi, Fitz, do you want to go first or do you want to it's wait? It's not a lightning round. Give me a thunder round. Okay. So Marcus Callaway with the Saints. Mm. Now that Michael Thomas is out, it's Traquan Smith. And I think ostensibly it's Marcus Callaway as number two. You could have maybe Deontay Harris in there um, in the slot or whatever. But Callaway last year, well, first off, let's back up. He switched to number one this season. I think that's good juju. Like that's a, like, I like, oh, his, like his number. I like his style. So his jersey. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I feel um, like if you are one of those receivers that switches to a single digit number and you don't have a good year, you have to go back. You have to perform <laughs> right. if you like switch to a it's number. It's not a just single digit a number. single digit number. It's number one. Maybe the best wide receiver on the team should just wear number one and the second best should just wear two. And then you can, mm. you know, jostle between them throughout the season, depending on how people are playing. That'd be kind of like cool. It. You cannot suck though if you have a single digit number. You're you're hurting my ability to make this a thunder round, Heifetz. Sorry. Too much, too much, too much chit chat. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 174 targets have opened up in the Saints offense. Um, and I believe that was before Michael Thomas injury. So like there's a shitload of targets that are available in this offense going forward. Um, he played, Callaway did, ha he has like similar size to Michael Thomas. He played the X receiver role at times where um, in the, in the offense that they run, they ran last year anyway. Lots of slants, lots of hooks, lots of comebacks, like the types of things that Michael Thomas just thrives with. Um, and I think Traquan Smith ran more routes out of, the, out of the slot, and I think he's more, he profiles more as like a deep threat. He was like an elite deep threat in college. So 
there's this real chance that Callaway sort of takes on the Michael Thomas role. And obviously that's a huge, huge deal in the Saints offense. Like it's just a target hog spot. So I think that the odds that Callaway is hits and is like a big star are pretty lower, at least lower than the than the odds that he'll just be nothing. Like he he'll be like a guy here he has like three targets a game or something. Like there's that very real chance that happens. But in terms of talent matching up with opportunity, I think he's got a very good opportunity here um, to be a big surprise. Uh, Adam Kaplan, who I just mentioned before from Fantasy Points, his his intel is the Saints are very high on him. Um, they got him an undrafted free agency, but he had some pretty impressive games last year. And he had a 10-target, 8-catch, 75-yard game last year um, when Sanders and Thomas were both out. So he kind of stepped up. So I'm just wondering if he has a chance to be the big surprise guy that emerges from the Saints offense. And I'm not saying it's going to be a high-octane, high-volume passing game um, because I think right now it's trending more towards Taysom Hill being the starter, but you just never really know. If if um, you know if they go the other direction and go with Jameis Winston, maybe he's just like getting peppered with targets week in and week out. I just think it's an, I think he's worth taking late in drafts and kind of seeing how that pans out. I'll give you level three for Marquez Callaway. Yeah. Me too. That's good. Cool. Well, wait, what, speaking of deep sleepers in the Saints, have you heard of a guy named Michael Thomas? I have, yes. No, I'm kidding. Well, I actually do want to shout out Adam Troutman, though. Tight end. Ooh, I like that one, too. He could just... I just yeah. have to shout him out. Anyone Taysom Hill is throwing to is immediately level three, snow compound, level <laughs> sleeper. Yeah. Uh, the other one I want to mention real quick before we kind of wrap things up is J.D. McKissick. Like... I think that we're all assuming, and probably correctly, that Antonio Gibson is going to take most or a, a big chunk of his targets. These guys but don't go away, man. It, they're always these annoying re- like receiving backs that end up being a bigger part of the offense than any person in fantasy wants. Um, he, again, he had 110 targets last year, most among running backs. He's a good, he's a former receiver. He's a college receiver, so he's like got the chops to do that. Obviously, Gibson did too, but I don't know if they necessarily want to put so much on Gibson's plate um, that he is the guy on all three downs. And also, by the way, he has a toe injury, which are very finicky injuries. So this is more of a, I guess like, I do think he has some standalone value. I don't think he's going to be worthless. But if this toe injury is more serious than people are treating it right now, like McKissick has like legit RB1 upside in this offense. So he's a guy that I'm adding in the end of drafts a lot too. And to be clear, a toe injury doesn't mean he has to miss time to like make McKissick valuable. If Gibson just the toe injury just gets bad enough, he needs to rotate out more, and then McKissick gets like we're assuming Gibson gets the third down work. But the toe injury could be bad enough that he just has to cede some time to McKissick. Doesn't yeah. have to be like it's so bad he misses games. Yeah, just the drive here or two. Uh, a couple other guys. I was I'll go thunder round. Jamal Williams from Detroit. Mm. I just have a gut. I feel like he's the goal line back. I feel like he's more than change of pace. DK, we disagree here. You like DeAndre Swift. I I'm, I don't dislike him. I just like Jamal Williams better. He's got like 140th than I like he's DeAndre far cheaper. Swift yeah. in the first few rounds. And I feel like Jamal Williams is going to piss off a lot of DeAndre Swift owners. And I feel like, or managers, I think Jamal Williams is going to be a lot of four-minute drills and a lot, of, um, a lot of touchdowns. I also want to shout out, this is level, I don't know what level this is. Zach Ertz. Just a completely... Bizarre situation was supposed to be traded I, yeah. from the Eagles. The yeah. Eagles say they're going to keep him. If they keep him, it's bizarre, but I still kind of feel like Zach Ertz ends up in Buffalo and actually is like a top 10 tight end. Obviously, it's a little out there, but I feel like Zach Ertz, if he does get traded, it's kind of just forgotten that he exists. I feel like he's not dusted quite yet. 
feel like he could make an impact on it. One of those, like so the Bills don't throw to tight ends sometimes because their tight ends are bad. I, I'm kind of curious to see what happens to him. But that's another guy that's just been forgotten from the ether. You guys see his new blonde hair? He looks like Billy Idol now. <laughs> it's a strange look. I'm a lo- that part's concerning. You know who I? This is a deep cut. I you know who he really reminded me of? I couldn't place him. I tweeted this the other day. You remember in Born Identity or sorry, the Yo, Born the What's the What's the first Born movie? The Born, the Born Identity. Identity. The Born Identity. And the guy ropes in. Yes, and he, he ropes the into fight? the apartment, and oh Matt Damon God. stabs him in the hand, and he like pulls it out of his hand, and then like he eventually suicide. throws him over the balcony, doesn't he? Anyway, no, he jumps off the balcony. Like, with, well, he realizes like, he's beat, and so he he kills himself essentially. That's an elite move, dude. Um, Zacherts does look he, like that's that guy. exactly who Zacherts looks like. That's this like assassin that attacks Jason Bourne in, in Paris or something. Zacherts, one of the most elite names for a fantasy team name. My balls, Zacherts. You guys ever heard of that one? My balls, Zacherts. <laughs> yeah, I, I got it. Hi, Fitz. It's a good pun. What do you think? Did you hear me? Can I throw one more at you guys? You should jump out the window like that guy did. <laughs> yeah, no, no, when you've lost. Can we get? Can we get a? Let's get real deep here, guys. Okay. I, I, this is emotionally deep. Rashad Penny reports out of camp. He's back healthy. Pete Carroll says he's two hundred twenty-five pounds. Looks the best Woo! we've ever seen him. Not on the pup, which was actually a big surprise. The best we've ever seen him. Just want to toss it out there. Twenty nineteen, when Carson and Penny were both playing, Carson out out carried him two to one. But like two to one. Is there any chance? I know they didn't pick him up for his fifth year, blah, blah, blah. Is there any chance he's Jamal Williams to Chris Carson's Aaron Jones-ish? Any chance, DK? Yes, there's a chance. <laughs> I, you sound like an addict. To think about where you were two years ago in Rashad Penny, and now you're like, is there any chance he's listen, Jamal Williams? Rashad I, Penny wow. averages over five yards of carry and over nine yards of catch. He's good. He is a, what I will say, and what makes me still have a glimmer of hope that he's going to get <laughs> utilized in this offense. Number one, obviously, it's it's sunk cost fallacy at this point now. Like They don't need to use him if they don't, if he's not good, just because they picked him in the first round. However, they did pick him in the first round. I think they want to, like, they're human beings. They don't want to go, like, they don't want this to go down as, like, the worst first-round pick of all time. Also, Chris Carson's so, always banged up. In, like, 2018, yep. they gave Mike Davis 112 carries. Like, they're yep. going to, like... That's a better argument to Carlos me Carlos Hyde last year, that's wasn't a better it? Argument. Like, or two years ago? Like, I don't know. They always use, they use a rotation. Uh, I think Chris Carson is the guy, for sure, as long as he's healthy. Pete Carroll's, like, absolutely obsessed with Chris Carson. However... I do think they really like the sort of uh, it's not thunder and lightning quite, but like Penny when he was starting to get healthy in 2019, he was for sure the lightning element. Like Carson gets caught from behind. Carson runs hard and runs people over, and he's physical and all that stuff with the Seahawks love. But he's not fast. He's not gonna like hit a home run. That's what Rashad Penny potentially could be in this offense. He's a one cut go, accelerate. And like run away from deep. Like he had more big plays. I don't have the stat in front of me off the top of my head, but that season he was like, he had more 15 plus yard rushes than like Carson ever had that year. And so, sorry, that Carson had had in his career or any other Seahawks player on the team at that time had had. So he was the big play guy for them. And I know I butchered that stat, but the bottom line is he's an explosive play waiting to happen. That's something that they don't really have from Carson. And so I could see them using him and trying to get him involved. He's a pretty good pass catcher. I don't think there's a world where he's a starter in front of Carson if Carson's healthy. But, I mean, they want to run the ball. 
Who knows what we're going to get from this new offensive coordinator. I'm kind of excited to see how this all goes. How deep is this one? Is this level three it's, or am I in limbo? This is like... My limbo? This is limbo. This is limbo. This is your beach. But yeah. I have to say, I'm right there with you. I am... I like this. Yes. Wow. I like it. I don't know how many people have been listening to us for like the four seasons we've been doing this, but this was literally the first argument we ever had was about yeah. shot Penny. Yeah. This is, this is big for me. I, I, and for the, yeah, for the record, Craig is a San Diego state alum. So he, he has like a, a real reason to love Chris, uh, sorry, to love uh, Rashad Penny. Yeah. He's one of the, I mean, statistically he's like one of the greatest college running backs ever. Didn't he get drafted by the Seahawks and then Kawhi Leonard won the title in like the same, you know, few week span. And that, or a month span, I guess. And Steven Strasburg, I think, won. Did he win finals MVP? I mean, World Series MVP for the Nationals? I think they're all in within a year or two. You were on a San Diego State run for quite some time. Actually, fun fact, we were going to get you a Christmas gift that was a Kawhi Leonard San Diego State, San Diego State jersey. Yeah. And it got lost in the mail. Um, and, then, and then you just guys were like, eh, whatever. No, I it got lost in the mail during like, the pandemic. I completely forgot about this for like a year, and then I had already Venmoed Heifetz for the freaking jersey. I, we didn't get it. We and it, it was, Heifetz it never followed up the, with it. He's the one who ordered it, and then I completely forgot about it. And then a year later, Heifetz was like, "Yeah, it never went to Craig. He never got it." Super cool. No, it was lo- <laughs> look, it was lost in the pandemic, man. It's that's all I'll say. Yeah. That's also, fair. I've been wearing it around everywhere I go. No. Okay, I think that's all our deep sleepers. Anyone yeah. else? Craig, are there any good bands from San Diego State? Bands? I don't know about that. One of the best golfers in the world, Xander Shoffley, who's my age, went to San Diego State. He's in the Olympics right now. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't really help he me. He almost but, won the uh, Masters. What have you been doing? Right, he got second, or maybe third behind Zalatoris. That's right, I'm tapped in. <laughs> Look at you. Okay. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Rashad Penny. Ooh. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Lorne. Lorne. Thank you, Fine Young Cannibals. You Zoomers are not even going to ever know what that is, do you? Uh, Heifetz? I was, I was really hoping you would, you would pull this one, Craig. Say it again. Fine Young Cannibals. Uh, I know. She fine drives me crazy. Cannibals. Oh, oh, yeah, I, I know, know that song. <laughs> Who doesn't know the Fine Young Cannibals? The Fine Young Cannibals were a yes. British rock band formed in Birmingham, England in 1984 by bassist David Steele, guitarist Andy Cox, and singer Roland Grift. This doesn't sound at all like you're reading of the Wikipedia account. Also, DK, you asked me what bands came from San Diego State. Do bands come from colleges? <laughs> When did you hear about a band not. all going to the same college? He was trying to be nice. So are you and saying, you that, shitting you on saying him. that musicians don't go to college, Craig? What the hell? I, the bands usually do not start in college, I feel like. He Maybe was I'm trying wrong. to give you a platform no, right. to promote right. San... No, he's not right. You were being nice and trying to give him a platform to promote San Diego State alumni. And Craig's like, fuck you, DK. No, that's not nice. <laughs> okay, what's the San Diego State... What's the San Diego band? How about that? Bands come from cities. That is true. No, actually, every band ever just comes from <laughs> Orlando, Florida. Apparently, that is true. I don't feel like San Kevin Diego's Clark. not like a big music town. Sublime, Blink One Eighty Two. Did Sublime come from that area? They might. They might have just been straight. They feel like Blink One Eighty Two. DK, did you not hear that? Oh yeah, Long Beach. You're right. Yeah, uh, Blink One Eighty Two is San Diego. They're down there. Yeah, San Diego County. What's up, Blink? Yeah, I feel like work. we're we're leaving out a bunch of like. 90s ska bands that came from Switchfoot, Iron Butterfly, yeah, a lot of ska. Shout out Alex Lee. <laughs> Angels and Airwaves. Oh, okay. So. Switchfoot. That's an old one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Switchfoot. They're Christian rock, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. 
Do you think people are going to be confused when we start thanking Lauren and there's like many minutes left in the podcast? <laughs> there's there's 32 minutes left and they're like, what's what's going on? This is like when we talked about the SpongeBob millennial thing for like 15 minutes after we, we, we said goodbye to everyone. Anyway. All right. Well, that's enough of that. That's all goodbye, I got. Everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.